For those of you who are here for the first time, thank you for making us this your home church today. You guys are loved and uh, we welcome you to worship with us today. I'm Pastor Tony. I'm one of the campus pastors here at Metro Praise. Why don't we all stand before we get started? All right, I'd like to call down this mighty man of God, my fellow brother in Christ, Jose Riesco, to come and share this afternoon of what God's been doing in his life. Please, yes, please give a warm welcome as he comes to share. All right. Hey, nice seeing you guys. I love you guys. I really do love you. You know, people say I love you, sons. They don't mean it. I really mean it, man. I look forward to Sunday. She knows I mean it. I look forward to Sunday. This is like game day for me. I get excited. You can ask my wife. I get fired up for Sunday. So I'm honored. When Tony asked me who's going to do the testimony, I got a little bit like, I want to do it. I know I wanted to say it. But I was trying to see if anyone else said anything, but I said, forget it. I'm going to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> but I want to share this quick testimony. Uh, me and my wife, we got a brand new car. And the um, first car we got together, and a lot, lot little, little hitches here and there. But God made a way and got us a brand new car, a 2016 Acura MDX. Wow, Praise God. Jesus. Amen. And God spoke to me while I was sitting. I was literally sitting in the chair. I'm going to demonstrate. I was sitting right here in the chair at the dealership. They're driving me nuts, like for hours. And the guy speaks to me and says, if I get you this car... Will you give anybody a ride I, who asks? I said, amen, I'll do it. So, but don't call me like 2 in the morning, all right, because then I got to come up and do it. But, but God has blessed me to be a blessing, amen. And God has blessed you to be a blessing. You live in America. You're one of the richest persons in the world. God has blessed you to be a blessing. You got a car. You got money. You got food. Man, you're more blessed than most people, amen. And this came to me Acts, when I was reading Acts 2 um, last week, Acts 2. Uh, verses 44 to 45. All the believers, all the Christians, all the brothers and sisters were together. They were chilling at church or hanging out, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So anyone who has need in here, it should not be. It should not be. Pray, and someone better bless you, and you better believe that God's going to give it to you through a brother or sister. He says, no one was with need. Anyone who, and they gave to anyone who had need. So give to a brother or sister. Give to them. There should be nobody here with, with need. There should be no one here with need. Amen? Amen. So I pray to encourage you, and I'm going to pray for everyone here in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, Let's bow our heads just to focus on Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for what you did in the church, Jesus. We thank you for giving us the church, God. And you said not even on the or even on the not even the gates of hell will prevail against your church, God. So I pray that we will love each other. You said that the world will know who we are because we love each other. I pray that we will love each other and give to each other as you as they see as they have needs, God. I pray that no one here would have any need because we will fulfill them in Jesus' name. And God, I also pray for the service, for the worship, for the for the tithes the offering, the lessons, the sermon, the altar call, the speaking in tongues, everything, God, I pray that your spirit will lead us, God, that we will be led by the spirit of God, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, so good to see you guys. Put those hands together with me. Come on, you're so good today, Lord, we want to sing about it. Come on, help me sing this. I want to sing it out. I want to sing it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. Come on, sing that again. I want to scream it out. Say, I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. 
praise you. Can you just shout amen? Come on, just shout. We praise you, Jesus. So good to me. Come on, nothing and no one. Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. The earth and ocean only reflect this truth. Nothing and no one. You ready? Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. The earth and ocean sea only reflect this truth. And in my darkest night, you shine as bright and say, Your love amazes me. I sing, and I sing because you are good. Has he been good to you? Say it again and I sing. You are good and I dance because you are good to me. You are good to me. Come on, one more time I sing. And I sing because you are good and I dance because you are good. And I shout because you are good. You are good to me. You are good, you are good. Come on, say that with me. You are good in the sun, no rain. And in the sun, no rain. My life celebrates. You are good. Come on, if that's you, if that's your heart, he's been good to you. Raise your hands and say with a cry, with a cry of praise. My heart, my heart will proclaim that you are good. He is good today. You are good in the sun or rain, in the sun or rain. My life celebrates. You are good. You are good. I sing and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. You are good to me. Just you sing it out. And I sing because you are good. And I sing. Come on, let me hear your voice today. And I shout because you are good. Come on, has he been faithful to you? Say. And I sing because you are good. And I dance because you are good. And I shout because you're so good to me. Church says, 
so faithful. I want you to think of three things that you can thank the Lord right now where you're standing right now. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for life, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness over my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your precious Holy Spirit that is here, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for family, God. Thank you for friends, Lord. Thank you for a life with purpose that you give, Lord. Come on, can you just tell him three things right now? Right where you are, right now, Jesus. Thank you for my children, God. Thank you for air to breathe. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, that you love me, God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. God, we want to thank you for your presence, God. We don't want to just go through the motions, Lord, but we are truly thankful. Thankful for who you are to us, God. You have saved us. You've redeemed us, God. And we have tasted and seen that you are good. Come on, if you have done that, if you know that God is good, can you just raise your hands right now before him and say, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You are good to me. You are good to us, Lord.
were lost, but Jesus found you, can you just close your eyes with me right now? And can you just raise your hands as a sign of surrender to Jesus? Man, there's been a lot of looking around, and we can watch each other all day, but that's not going to do anything. That's not going to change anything. And God is saying, don't be a spectator today. Don't just watch me move other people. Allow me to move you. Come on, right now, can you just close your eyes with me and raise your hands and say, God, I welcome your Holy Spirit here. Come on, if you've been set free, if you were once lost, but he found you right now. Can you say, Holy Spirit, I just welcome you right here into this place, right here into this room, right here into my space, God. God, we want you here, Lord. We want to feel you. We want you to move us and transform us, God. We want you to speak to every heart in this place. God, that is our desire, Lord. Jesus is to see you, God, is to know you. on you today, God. Hallelujah. You are welcome here, Jesus. Just say Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and
let us become more aware of your presence, Lord. Let's do that, that chorus one more time. even more, God, but we know that you are here and that you walk with us every day, oh God. And as I was thinking about the three things that I'm thankful for, I'm thankful that you chose to live in me. I'm thankful that, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit who finds us important enough that you came to dwell among us, to send the comforter to live inside of us. And I'm thankful, Jesus, that you came for us to make a way where there was no way. And you continually do it in my life and our lives every day. I'm so thankful that I was given another day to transform my life. And I pray today that every single person in this place feels your presence, that will know of your, the glory of your goodness. And that whatever they are facing today, whether good or bad, they know that you are there. And that those who don't know you will come to know you today. That they may know the joy of salvation and the peace that passes all understanding. And we love you, Lord, and we lift up this time to you. Just bless the word today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He is, he is wonderful and glorious. And I just want to take this moment to just preach the gospel to you because it is the power of life. And in John 3, 16 and 17, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And I know that we often preach the first part, but I think the second part is so important because so many people can think, that, you know, we know that Jesus is coming with a sword to judge the world, the living and the dead, as we are going to proclaim in our, in, um, our statement of faith. But he came to save the world. He came to save every single person, including you and me. And that Jesus so willingly died on the cross to give us that eternity. And so if you guys are not right with the Lord, I pray that today is the day where you just, you just say, I'm sorry, Lord, for the the wicked things I've done against you. And I repent and I surrender my life to you today and I ask for your forgiveness and he'll give it to you. 
And we are going to have a couple of prayer workers up here during our fellowship time. So if you feel like you need to get right with the Lord, they will pray with you. If there is something in your heart you just want to get out and have them pray for you, they are there for you as well. And so I just want to pray for us. If you guys would just bow your heads with me. Father God, I just thank you so much for sending Jesus. I thank you that you did not come to just condemn us, but to save us. To love us when we were unlovable, God, because it, you said in your word that be, even before we sinned, you came and you died for us. So I just pray for any and every heart today that they would just have the joy of their salvation. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. We are going to read this off together. This is our confession of faith. This is our Christian worldview. This is what the United Church of Christ stands upon as the universal church. So if you guys would recite this with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Greet your neighbor. Say hello.
All right. How many guys excited to be at second service? I love the feel in here. It feels like one big happy family. Don't you guys love this service? Let's let's stay faithful. Let's keep growing it. God is doing awesome things. And we're just so thankful that you guys are here joining us and just uh, being a part of what God's doing in Chicago and through us. So we want to welcome you to Metro Praise International. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And this is our family service. So we have the King's Kids in the back for the kids. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus. We're so thankful for all that God is doing there with them and the youth leaders and the youth pastors. So we're just so blessed. We want to let you guys know about our Easter service coming up. Say Abundant Life. Come on, March 27th is Easter Sunday. We're going to have both services, 10 and 1. We will be having a children's presentation for that Easter Sunday along with free family portraits for, for the whole family. And so we're just really excited about what God is doing, what he's going to do that day. So we really want to encourage you guys to start inviting your friends, your families, your coworkers. How many of you guys know that everybody pretty much something inside of them says, I got to be at church on Easter? So this is an awesome opportunity to invite them and give them a place to come and belong and allow God to really minister to them and convict them so they could truly be saved. So we want you guys to just keep spreading the message, stay faithful, keep coming, and let's see God do amazing things that Easter Sunday. MPI has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. As you guys all know, the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you. The way we want to connect you is through our life groups here. That we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism so we can keep winning the lost. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. How many of you guys get excited when you hear that every week? Come on. Somebody say connect. We want to connect you to life groups. If you turn your hand out, Around, you'll see the schedule for this quarter of life groups, January, February, March, lots of stuff going on. Find a place to commit to, to connect to, to plug in with your family. It's just an awesome time throughout the week to have something to do with the body of Christ. Today, we're kicking it off with our marriage group. 5 p.m. here at the church, child care is, is uh, provided. We're really excited about what God is doing in that group. Just awesome things happening with the marriages. So if you are married, you gotta be here today. Then Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old, 6.30. They meet here at the church every Wednesday. God's doing awesome things in our young people's lives. So if you're a parent and have children in that age group, bring them on by. Then Thursday, we have our gang outreach every week, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet them out there. They're preaching the gospel. And we have two adult Bible studies on Fridays. One is at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivids. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult from those from that age group, 18 and up, you've got to be there. So get connected throughout the week. Get encouraged in your walk with the Lord. Be around the fellowship of other believers to find a time to pray together and encourage one another. And it's just an awesome time right now because they're going through the Truth Project. So a lot of awesome topics are coming up in that. So somebody say connect. Now say mentor. We want to mentor you through the 101 book and the 201 book. Our 101 book is called Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to take you through that book one-on-one. -on -one. And like I said in the first service, we have our leaders ready to hunt you down. So if you've been coming for a little bit or a, a, a while or if you're, this is your first time, we want you to get disciple. We want to mentor you. So we have leaders ready to take you through that, get into your life, encourage you, 
answer questions, just be a blessing to you. When you graduate 101, you'll get into the 201 class. We have two classes, one on Sunday mornings with Pastor Jared, one on Thursday evenings with Pastor Ellie, and that's where we train you to be a leader. That's the Disciples That Make Disciples books. We want to train you up to one day be ordained as a deacon because we believe God is doing awesome things in our midst. And the Bible says pray that God will give you laborers. We need to pray for laborers to come into the harvest field because the harvest is plenty. So we're not all called to just come to church and just sit down. We have to be a leader. Everybody say every believer should be a leader. And that's why we believe so much in mentorship and discipleship. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. Saturdays from 5 to 8, we have people on the streets preaching the gospel. It is life transforming. It is refreshing. It will, you'll never be the same again when you do it. Join them. That's your training ground. In your life groups, you'll do different kinds of evangelism. But this is hardcore, in your face, people you don't know, and it's awesome. So that's where we want you guys to go to really get trained up, to get the passion and the vision of what Jesus called us to do. He said to go out and make disciples of all nations, and that includes preaching the gospel. So we are all called to go street evangelizing, all called to preach the gospel on the streets, and not just behind the pulpit on a microphone. We have to do it on our jobs, our workplaces, on the streets, in the highways, in the byways, and get us some. Look at your neighbor, say, go get you some. Go get you some lost people and bring them to Jesus. So that's when we do that. So in recap, MPI has a vision, a strategy, a goal. Vision of loving God, loving people. Strategy of connect, mentor, and send, and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Let me get a hallelujah. Woo, God is good. Look to your neighbor say, he is good all the time. Now look to your other neighbor saying, all the time, he is good. All right, who's excited to give tithes and offerings today? Come on. We believe here at MPI that a tithe is 10% of your total income given to the church regularly. And then we have designation for offering towards missions and building. We love missions. We believe in the mission field. They need Bibles. They need, they need materials. They need finances. We love the mission field. And then we also are in a building fund currently to raise the monies for our new band equipment, uh, making the stage bigger. So we just thank you for those that have made a pledge and are committing to that between you and God. And we just believe very much that our walk with God has so much to do with us being faithful in our finances. Which brings me to the lesson for today. In the Disciples Giving book, Lesson 8, the tithe must be a priority. Say priority. It is very important that we have this area of our life in order because God sees it and he wants us to be faithful with it. Again, the definition of a tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading Genesis 4, 2 through 5. I know that you guys have heard this before, but I'm going to read it again and just have us learn more about how we could apply this to our life about tithing. Genesis 4, 2 through 5. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. This is talking about Eve. Now Abel kept flocks and, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Here are the two main points. Number one, Cain's gift was rejected because he waited too long to give it. Somebody say, uh-oh. The Bible records in the course of time, Cain brought some of the first of the fruits. So because he did not make giving his priority and made it more like an afterthought, God did not favor or bless him. 
And that goes all into the thing about, you know, God doesn't want our leftovers and he doesn't want tithing to just be something that we kind of do, kind of think about, or kind of committed to. See, in the course of time, Cain finally came to the conclusion, oh, I should probably give something to God. And at that point, it was some of the fruits, just whatever was left over. Tithing is a priority. It comes right off the top. Our check comes, boom, 10%, Jesus, that belongs to you. Number two, Abel's gift was accepted because it was his first. Abel made giving to God a priority by giving God his firstborn animals. And that was the best sacrifice, the best offering that you could give. Firstborn animals, pure, young, sweet. That's what God desired. And that was pleasing because he gave it right away and it was the first fruits. Amen? Here's a summary. God wants to be the first to receive from your hard work, not second or third. And that is between you and the Lord. And I guarantee you, there are so many stories that we can share. But when our life is out of order in the area of financing and not uh, finances and not prioritizing tithing and offering, there's other things behind that that are out of order. And so we want to be right in alignment with God in every area of our life so that we could receive the blessing. Let's apply this to our life in two ways. Number one, repent if you have not been making the tithe a priority. And two, make the habit of first giving God his tithe before you spend your money on anything else. And that requires trusting him to meet your needs, to provide for you when you seek his kingdom, take care of his business, and he'll take care of your business. Amen? Let's confess this on the count of three together. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel. Revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. It advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of grief through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our best. We want to give him our very best, our tithes and offerings. Again, the tithe is 10% of our total income. Offering is missions and building. I just want to remind you on the envelope, put the exact amount of what you want to go towards each category. We're in a current building fund for the new band equipment. If you haven't joined us in that pledge, we want you guys to, uh, oh, wait, before I go to that, I always forget that's the first slide. Okay, we'll stick here. We'll stick here. Four ways to give. Somebody say four ways to give. All right, in the, number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes right there in the back. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see me today if you have any questions about that. And number four, online with Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Isn't that awesome? Four convenient ways to give. New band equipment is our building fund. If you haven't joined us in that, number one, pray. Ask God what you should give. Two, listen to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient to what he tells you. And three, give and give generously because God loves a cheerful giver. Come on. Let's recite this together. Philippians 4.18. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. And we make tithing and offering a priority in our lives. We want to give you the best, God. And I pray that you would bless and prosper your people. I pray you provide for our needs. Help us to reach Chicago, this nation, and all the nations of the earth, God, with the gospel. I pray that we would be a witness wherever we go. We would be an example of your faithfulness, of your goodness. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give. And thank you so much for your generosity.
right, if you guys are ready for spiritual warfare, give me a whoop whoop. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Amen. Let me get some high fives back here to the cool kid crowd. Yeah, yeah. Come on. You guys ready? Let's do it. Ephesians chapter 6. So much to talk about today. What a wonderful weekend. How many enjoyed the warmer weather? Wasn't that awesome? Don't we love Chicago when it's warm? That was great. So, you know, God is doing a lot of great things in this church, and I want to encourage you today to make sure that you are ready to be a warrior for Christ, to make sure that you have counted the cost and that you want to fight the good fight of faith. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and then I'm going to show you a few interesting scriptures here. We're going to do a Bible dance today. How many want to see the Bible dance a little bit? You're going to see the Bible dance. Okay, now look right here, Ephesians chapter 6. Today we're talking about the armor of God. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Trust me, these lights are not demon-possessed. We love these lights. These three right here have been acting naughty, okay? And uh, we're getting them fixed tomorrow, so don't worry about them if they do a little bit of that. But everybody say, be strong in the Lord's power. Okay, awesome. Now let's watch this Bible dance a little bit. Let's have it dance and have it talk to us because I really believe that God wants us to see where the power is. How many want to know where the power is? You need to. You need to. Amen. So let's look at it. Go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and then I'm going to show you the watch the Bible dance. Now let me show you a little bit right here. Go to Acts 1, 8. I've got to move quickly here, but I want you guys to follow with me. Brother, let me just do it, and if I need you for backup, I'll call on you, okay? So be ready back there, just in case. Now watch this here. But you will receive what? Power. This is red letters. This is Jesus talking. You will receive power when the who comes upon you? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So you want to watch the Bible dance here a little bit? Watch right here. It will dance back and forth. That's the Bible dance. Get the Bible dance. It's just a little thing I want you to see because watch. It says, finally, Ephesians chapter 6 is at the end of his letter. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Well, how can you be strong in the Lord's power? If you have not been given the Holy Spirit, you cannot be strong in the Lord's power. And that's why we got to make this Bible dance. Uh, brother, whatever you do, just don't touch anything back there because to make it dance, i got to have all the control, okay? You didn't touch anything? Is it acting naughty too? Bad little computer. These lights and this thing's acting bad today. Pray for it. Pray for it. We need help today. But look, you will receive the power of the whole, uh, you will receive power when the who comes on you? Okay, Holy Spirit, now watch this. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now watch when the power comes down. Go to Acts chapter 2, dancing with the Bible here. Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost finally came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost is a Jewish festival, like how we would celebrate Christmas or Easter. The Jewish people had their festivals. And Passover came first, then Pentecost. And Pente there, the P-E-N-T-E, stands for 50. So it came 50 days after Passover. We celebrate Easter on the time of Passover because that's when they would sacrifice the lamb, and that's when Jesus was sacrificed. But after sacrifice, we see Jesus raised from the dead, and then he spent time with his people, and he left right before Pentecost. And when that day came, they were together waiting for that uh, Holy Spirit to come bring them power. Suddenly there was a sound like a blowing violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be what? 
tongues of fire. Everybody say tongues of fire. Thank you. That separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Look at that. As the Spirit gave them or enabled them or gave them utterance. So you see here, my friends, the power of God according to Jesus. Remember, we read it. Here it is. According to Jesus comes when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now, this is where people think that we as Pentecostals are crazy, but we are not. We are just like what the disciples were. Now, if the disciples were crazy, then I don't want to be right, okay? So if loving Jesus like Peter is wrong, I don't want to be right. Now, when I say loving Jesus like Peter, I don't mean the Pope that thinks he's like Peter. Because did you all see get the Pope get angry this week? He was on YouTube. He got angry. He yelled at somebody. Well, that should show you the Pope ain't perfect, friends. You need Jesus. Jesus has to change the Pope. And if the Pope wants to become a Christian, he has to be born again and receive the power of God. Now, am I angry at the Pope? No. I love the Pope, just like I love you, but I want to tell you the truth. Jesus taught all disciples to be filled with the power. Now, if you can find me any place in this Bible where we're supposed to have a Pope, I'll be the first one to be the Pope, okay? Or I'll be the first one to compete with him for his job. But can you find me a place in the Bible where it says we're supposed to have a Pope? Can you? Well, those of you who don't know how to do this, all you have to do, look right here. Here's a word search in the Bible. Look right here. I will do a word search for you guys. I'll go right here to NIV. You see how I put Acts 1-8 there? I'll put right here the word. Let's say let's put power in there so you guys can see this, that it will work, okay? So when I put in the word power, oh, here's the search bar. That was for the scriptures. Here we go. Here we go. Let me show you guys right here because I like doing this with the second. So I'll put in power. Now watch this. All of these scriptures will come up. You can see it's working there. Now watch. Let me get rid of what I did here before. Where do, okay, he's used 358 times, but let me see it. Where is it hiding? Give me a second. That's that. There's a lot of Greek coming up there, isn't it? Let's see if we can find, where did my word search go? Let me try it one more time, and then I'll just show you all text, power. Yes, I want to search that. It shows me it's 358 times. This is why I shouldn't do stuff off the cuff, right? Okay, yeah, no, it, it is listed here. I just need this to go away. I need this little dirty boy. Go away. How do I get this thing to go away? Let me just X out a couple things here. Yeah, let me get this out the way. Okay, here we go. Let's go, let's go power. Let me show you because I was covering it. Now watch this right here. Okay, you see 358 times. You see it right there. And now you see all these scriptures right here. And it says power and it has it highlighted. You see it? Are you guys with me? And it's going through the book of Corinthians now. Does everybody see how that's working? Okay, now let's see the word pope. Do you think the word pope is in there? Let's see right here. Let's see. No, the word pope, you see zero? You see where it says zero right here? Okay, now let's try it again. Let's try power. This is another, there's 350 times, 58 times the word power is used in the Bible. How many times do you think the word disciple is used in the Bible? How many? Take a guess. 318 times. Look at that. 318 times the word disciple is used in the Bible. And you can see all the different times it's used. Okay? And if I go right here to the side, it will start right in the Gospels. I'll go right here. Yep, and it'll go all the way to the Gospels. Everybody see that? So is there a pope? No. So who gets the power? Does the pope get the power or disciples get the power? Disciples get the power. So go back to our scripture as I go back to preaching. Is that okay? Okay. 
This is what happens when I'm a professor and the students are like, come on, pastor, let's go back to the class, you know. But I love teaching. How many people think I love teaching? You guys see I like it, all right? So you guys learn when you're here. But look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9. He says right here, in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 9, where is it at? There it is, but that's not the right one. Acts 1, verse 8, there we go. But you will receive what? Power. Who's you? Who's the you there? The disciples, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now you keep reading Acts. The book of Acts means the Acts of the Apostles. When the, book, when the day of Pentecost finally came, how many of them here are filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues? How many of them? All of them. So have you been given the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues? That's now where you need to make it personal because as we make the Bible dance, you see now I'm going back to my scripture here, finally Metro praise. if you want to get it on with the devil, if you want to fight a spiritual battle, you have to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Come on, you guys want to see it again? How many want to make the Bible dance a little bit more? Okay, let's now go to Ephesians chapter 4. Go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 6 is found in the book of Ephesians, correct? So what we're learning already about spiritual warfare is in chapter 6. Do you want to see what it says a few verses uh, beforehand? Or rather, Ephesians chapter 5. One chapter beforehand. Look at what it says about the Holy Spirit. Something that we have to know is vitally important to our walk with God. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to a debauchery. Instead, be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's make it dance. Come on, somebody say, Pastor, make it dance. <laughs> Look at there. You will receive the Holy Spirit when it comes upon you. It says here, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, when were they filled with the Holy Spirit? The promise came in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When were they filled? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were, come on, help this pastor preach a second time today. Come on, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. What does Ephesians say? It says don't be drunk on wine. Don't be drunk on margaritas or Hennessy or whatever. It's okay to drink in moderation, but don't get drunk. And what's that feeling that we get when we're drunk? We're, we're a little bit out of control. We feel the power of the alcohol. You know, you, you, your life is changing in a bad way. Well, the Bible says don't look for your life to change through alcohol because it won't, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you want to get high today? Get high on the most high. Give Jesus a try. Amen. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. And don't get mad with me if you think that's sassy because that's what Paul said. Paul said, don't get drunk on wine, but get instead filled with the Holy Spirit. And so how are we filled? Well, we see right here in the book of Acts that they were filled when the Holy Spirit came on them on the day of Pentecost. How did they know they were filled? They spoke in other tongues. Why is that important, Bible class? It's because Ephesians 6 teaches us you need to be strong. You need to fight a battle. You need to be able to put on the full armor of God. And those disciples did not start preaching until the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. Can I make it dance one more time? Okay, now as the Spirit was poured out on them in Acts chapter 2, they began to start speaking in other tongues. When the crowd heard them, they came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own languages. And here we go into all of these languages. And I'll explain that to you in just a little bit. But then they were amazed and perplexed. And they asked each other, what does this mean? However, some made fun of them and said they had too much wine. So what does that mean? That means here, according to Paul, that when you are 
full of the Holy Spirit, you may look like to others you're full of wine. Why? Because when you're full of wine, and those of you who have ever had too much, you know what I'm talking about. You get a little loud. You start talking real loud. Well, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to shout and get excited. When you're filled with too much wine, you might laugh a lot. You might be over-emotional, crying and crying. Come on, ladies, can I get an amen? You know what it's like to be there. Fellas want to fight a lot. Well, you get emotional when you get filled with the Holy Ghost. You want to get excited. You cry. Man, I've, I've cried so many times in God's presence. I've laughed in God's presence. I've gotten, I'm passionate right now in God's presence. Hello, somebody. And, and then and then it says that they said, well, you must be drunk. No, because what was the sign, not just them stumbling or rather looking like they were excited or being loud. What was the sign? Here it goes. Then Peter stood up and said, no, my brothers, uh, this is, uh, let me explain to you what happened. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel talked about. In the last days, God says, I will pour out, on my, pour out my spirit on how many people? On all people. So he was saying this was a sign to you that all people can get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when they were speaking in other tongues, some of them were speaking in, in, no, speaking in known languages. Others of them were speaking in heavenly languages. And how do I know that? Because all I have to do is look to the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, or rather 13. You guys might have even heard this at a weddings when it talks about, uh, uh, you know, love is the greatest thing and all of that. But look at what it says here. It says, though I talk with the tongues of men and angels, if I have not love, I profit nothing. Here we go. First Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but have not love, I'm a resounding gong. So there are times God can baptize you in the Holy Spirit and you'll speak in a language you have never learned. There are people that have understood my spiritual language from India two different times. They understood what I was saying when I had never learned Indian. And that is testified. I have that right here on our website that you can go and check it out. If you don't believe this pastor, you can go check it out. I had my friend. I said, you know what, bro? I've been telling this story for years, and you know a lot of people don't believe me. I want you to write it down, put it in a testimony, so that people will understand that this thing was really true. So my friend Glenn was there. I was in Bible college. I was speaking in tongues. Most of the time, I don't understand what I'm talking about, and uh, you know this, and, and need, nor do the people in uh, around me or in the room. But yet, this time, you can look at this testimony right here. It's from my friend Glenn. He tells the story that in 1997, I was in that room, and I was speaking in tongues, and this guy from India really didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as I was speaking in tongues, he heard me speaking in his language that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for him. This was testified and seen by other people. Okay, so at that day when these men were speaking in tongues, some people did understand them and other people didn't. And how do we know that that's a part of the common experience? Because in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, after he talks about tongues and uh, men and tongues of angels, it says, for if anyone speaks in a tongue, he does not speak to people but to God. No one understands him. They utter mysteries, okay? So that's without the interpretation or for the language of men. It's always just between us and God. The other times, the tongue is for the people to understand and it acts as a prophecy. And so this is where he talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where he says then at the end here of this, of this talking about uh, tongues, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I shall pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Does everybody get that? 
So there are two languages that you can speak, the tongues of men and the tongues of angels. When God baptizes you with the Holy Spirit, he may give you the tongue of men for a message that you have never learned. And that's been a part of our history in the Pentecostal movement. Now you know why we're called Pentecostals, right? Because on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. There's, there's stories in the movement of people learning an entire language with, by the Holy Spirit, being missionaries to China and places like that. And then there's other stories of people like me speaking a language where it's just for the most part, it's of an angel. No one else really knows it. And then the little piece, bits and pieces will speak to somebody in their language. Either way, it doesn't matter. We are to be baptized in the Spirit and let the Holy Spirit give to us the languages that we speak. Does everybody get that? Now, if you say, well, I don't know if that's for me. Look what Peter said. He said, this is a sign that day on the, on the day of Pentecost. He said, this is a sign that the Holy Spirit's being poured out. God said in the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And how long will this go on for? Because he keeps on preaching. Here's how it goes on because they ask him at the end, how can we be saved at towards the end of his message in Acts 2. Look, let me get to the end, and, and he'll tell you how long this will go on for. Watch right here. They said, uh, they heard him, you know, after they were speaking tongues, he heard him preach. They said to Peter, brothers, what shall we do to be saved? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Does everybody see that? The gift of the Holy Spirit. Where do we hear that gift being mentioned? Acts 1, verse 8, remember, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That was what Jesus said. Do you all remember that? It's called a gift. Does, how many are following this today? I'm just like preaching myself happy. Are you guys kidding this? Okay, so there they receive the gift. Now look, go back to Acts 2, 38. Hey, man, what are we supposed to do? You guys look like you're pretty excited on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we are. So what should we do? Well, you should repent. You should be baptized. You should believe in Jesus, Acts 2, 38. And guess what? The and you will receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is for you, you guys right here, and for your children, and for what? What's that next word? And for all. Everybody say A-L-L-L. A-L-L. 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 -A -L -L. Second service, help me, Jesus. I need the power. For all who are afar off, for all whom are, for all whom the Lord our God will call. All who the Lord God will call. There we go. You guys want to get it on? Because that's why we make the Bible dance. That's how we get to understand what our sermon is about today because this is what it says. Everybody look at the pretty picture real quick. Do you guys want to fight a spiritual battle? Do you want to defeat the devil? Do you want to win the battle like how Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, and all these awesome disciples did? Well, if you want those things, my friends, you have to get the power the same way they did because Ephesians is assuming, he's, he, Paul is assuming here you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He's assuming you're speaking in other tongues. He's assuming you know that God's on the inside of you flowing rivers of living water through you. So that's why he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, get ready today for the boom shakalaka.
We will pray for each and every one of you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just like how they received it. Now, let me just show you one quick time. Can I make the Bible dance a little bit more before we go here? You guys are tired. I can hear it. Why are you guys tired? This is your first service. Come on, how many want to see the Bible dance? Thank you. Encourage me. Encourage me. Thank you. Look at here. Acts 19. Because you see, the first time in Acts chapter uh, 2, it comes down on Pentecost. Let me just show you right here. Pentecost. A little picture of the tongues of fire. Just an example, you know, of what it could have looked like to be there. You know, this is what something, you know, it could have looked like. Tongues of fire coming on, sitting on top of their heads. Here's some ancient pictures. You know, something like this. We don't know what that looked like. Oh, you guys can't see that. <laughs> Let me show it to you. Sorry. You know, sometimes when I get so excited, I got, I got excited today and I skipped over stuff, I uh, forget to do this because there's a lot of stuff in front of me right now. Okay, let me show you what this probably looked like when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. We don't know because we weren't there, obviously. But this could be a, a way it looked like. You know, so it said like tongues of fire sitting on top of them. And I think the reason why we say the word tongue is because, you know, when, when the fire kind of moves around, it kind of looks like a, like a tongue in that way. And that's probably the the description there that they would understand. And it said it sat on each one of their heads, and they began to speak in other tongues. But we notice that as the Bible goes along, uh, that that is not what happens every time. The, the fire, the, the blowing wind through the house isn't always there. But what we do see is that the Holy Spirit still baptizes the person and gives them another language. So can I show you that to you? This is uh, Acts 19. While Paulus was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at where? What book are we reading right now? And we're reading Ephesians. Are you getting this? I didn't get time for this in the second sir, uh, first service. So you guys get the best. You're the best of the best of the best. I may forget how to spell all every now and then. But you guys get the best of the best. Okay, so we're learning about a book that's written to people who live in Ephesus. That's why they're called the Ephesians. And he's telling them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's reminding them to be strong in the power of the Lord so that they can fight the battle against the devil. Well, when did these boys start getting the fire of, the God, uh, of God? When did it start happening? It happened a while before this. Uh, it actually happened, I could, I could keep you here all day. It actually happened first, like I believe in Acts chapter 8, when uh, Philip goes down to Ephesus. Oh, no, no, that is Samaria. No, so I am right. It is 19. It's where it first happens in Ephesus. Everybody say amen. Okay, so I was wrong. I was confusing Samaria. But watch this. Okay, so Paul travels through the interior, arrived at Ephesus. There he found some what? So he found who? Disciples. People who said, I believe in Jesus. I love the Lord. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So chances are what had happened here is that after Jesus was uh, crucified, raised from the dead, and Pentecost came, that they weren't there in the upper room. They were followers of Jesus, but they weren't there in the upper room when the rest of them got boom shakalaka. Amen? Okay, you tracking? So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism, Paul said, yes, John's baptism was one of repentance, and he told you to believe on Jesus who would come after you. Uh, let's keep going here. Whoa, what happened here? Okay, Lord, help me today. 
There we go. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Does everybody see that? They were baptized in the name of Jesus. If I could just beat this right now, I would feel so much better. You guys ever see those pictures with the computer and the guy hitting it? I've, I needed some compassion for this thing right now. You could probably just stretch your hands towards me and just go, Lord, help him, patience. Because I want to preach a lot faster than this thing can help me, okay? So they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you remember I showed you, let's go here, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. I showed you guys that that's how, how we were taught to be baptized. Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You remember that? Okay, that's what he told them to do. Now Paul is doing this many years later. And watch right here, verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Was there a wind? No. Was, was there this cool picture here? Of, yeah, was there this? No, there wasn't that. But what happens? Look what it says. It says he placed his hands on them and they spoke in tongues and did what? prophesied because isn't that the promise that we were given up here that your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy? They're going to speak in tongues. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And so we know that's the truth. Mark chapter 16, towards the end, Jesus says the same thing. This is going to be the life of the disciples. Mark chapter 16, it says, And these signs will accompany them that believe. They will drive out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. Okay? So what do we see is the pattern as the disciples begin to go on after Pentecost? Is they pray for each other to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they speak in other tongues. We don't see the pattern of there always being wind. We don't see the pattern of always the tongues of fire. But we do see the pattern is that God is always there filling them with the Holy Spirit. So that's why we need to have that as a preface to the message, because today, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, you can go to heaven. We're not saying you're not going to heaven. We're just saying you're not going to have as much fun on your way there, okay? You need to get filled with the boom shakalaka power of God. Ah! and live holy for Jesus and whoop the devil. Amen? Now, by the way, that's not my tongue. That's just me having some fun, okay? But your tongue or the angelic language that the Lord gives, gives you will be special between you and him. And now I just have to say this one last thing before we get into the message. Everybody say it's just the introduction. Amen. So I just got to give this as a preface here. A lot of people I talk to will go, Pastor, I agree with you. Okay, you just made the Bible dance. You had it make sense to me. Paul's talking about being strong in the Lord. He reminded them in chapter 5 to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I see how the people of Ephesus got filled in Acts 19 with the Holy Spirit. I see how the disciples were originally promised the power of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues in Acts 2. And it's for all those who the Lord God calls. I get all of that. But Pastor, I'm not really that radical. That's not my personality. I'm not like a charismatic, flamboyant person. I'll just do it without the Holy Spirit. And what they act like is like the Holy Spirit is an option, like for dessert at the end of a good meal. You know like how you've had a good meal and they go, do you want dessert? You're like, oh, no, I probably shouldn't. I'm okay. And they think that's what speaking in tongues is. It's like the Lord says, hey, do you want to speak in tongues? And you're like, no, God, you filled me up quite a bit already. I'm okay. I don't need a dessert, you know. Or we think about it like that optional upgrade to like our car. Like you have a really nice car and you're going to get it, you know, like like we have this nice new like um, minivan. And they're, and they're like, well, you know, you have this level, but do you want the level with the sunroof, you know? And it's like so tempting, you know, because you're like you're already spending thousands of dollars and you're like, what's an extra $1,500? 
to have that sunroof because that sunroof is going to change my life. You know, and then I just start thinking to myself, like, 1500 could be, like, all of this for the kids, like, clothes, all of it. And I'm like, no, we'll be okay without the sunroof. As long as we have the DVD player, the seat heater, the steering wheel heater, auto start, we'll be good, you know. And it's like some of us think about that with the Holy Spirit, too. We're like, no, God, I'm okay. You've given me quite a bit. I got the fruit of the Spirit. I've got the Word of God. I don't need to be running around speaking in tongues like those crazy people. But that's not how the Bible told us to live. One last time to make the Bible dance. He told us to seek first his kingdom. So that means whatever he tells us to do for the kingdom is going to ultimately be for our benefit. Because he said, first, uh, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be what? Given to you as well. So listen to me, my friends. Please hear me. God knows that you are a spiritual being, and he knows that you need power on the inside of you to succeed in all of these things you're doing in life. So he made the baptism of the Holy Spirit a central part of your victory. In other words, if you say today, I don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I need God to bless my marriage, God says you won't have as much power in your marriage until you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to have my fullness in your marriage. And you may say, well, God, I just want to make a bunch of money and be happy. You will not be happy in the, in the job you have, truly successful, doing what I've called you to do, unless you're baptized in the Spirit. Because he knows as spiritual beings, we need his power in all areas. He could have just said, seek my kingdom and my righteousness, because I said so. And you would just have to be speaking in tongues, doing whatever he told you to do, and suffering through life, and that would be a part of the plan. But he didn't just leave it there. He said, seek my kingdom first and my righteousness. That means doing things that he told us to do, and all of these things will be given unto you. So my friends, I want to encourage you today, not just to see tongues as something you do in this church for a few minutes when we clap our hands and get excited for Jesus. I want you to see the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a way you fight the enemy and win spiritual battles in every area of your life. Amen? Because if you're fighting a spiritual battle today, don't you want all the power that the Lord has for you? If someone on your job is attacking you and, the, and Satan, the devil, is using them against you, don't you want to be able to pray in other tongues for the Lord to cease that attack against your life? If something's going on in your family right now and there's attack against your children, don't you want to be able to have the power of the Holy Spirit to pray and intercede? Romans talks about interceding in words that you don't know how to say and groans that come out from you. And so this is very important. So today we're going to end with singing a song that's going to sound something like this. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in fire. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in fire. Fresh fire burn. It's going to be so much better than that. Fresh fire burn. It's going to be so awesome. And when you hear that song, I want you to come up and be like, baptize me in the Holy Ghost, Jesus. I know I have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Remember in Acts 19, it says, Paul, when he went to Ephesus, ran into disciples. You can't be a disciple unless you're born again. They just didn't know that the Holy Spirit was there to also baptize them. They thought the Holy Spirit was just going to be upon them in a renewal, not for a power. They just thought the Holy Spirit was going to make them new because that was the promise that, that they had learned. But they had forgot about the promise of Joel that they would prophesy and see dreams and visions. They were just thinking about the promise of Jeremiah that their hearts would become new. So I not only want the Holy Spirit to give me a new birth, I want the Holy Spirit to give me Pentecostal power. Amen? 
Are you ready for the message? All right, so finally, be strong in the Lord. Everybody can go, finally, come on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in this mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I want everybody to see this example, okay? So the Bible says that we're going to take our stand against the devil's schemes. How many believe the devil is scheming a lot? Right? He is scheming a lot. Now, let me just, before I give this example, let me give another example. That's going to blow your mind, okay? Okay, let us have Augustine stand up for us, please. Let's give it up for Augustine as he stands. Would you turn around for us? Turn around. All the way around. All the way around. Thank you. You may sit down. Now, that didn't tempt me. That did not tempt me. I was not tempted by Augustine standing up. His body did not tempt me. His, his looks did not tempt me. There was not one part of me that when he stood up, I, I said, man, I got to get a man like that. There was no temptation. But how many know, but listen, but how many know the devil is scheming and he knows what people like? Because there may be somebody here today that's struggling with same-sex temptation. And when Augustine stood up, they were like, oh, Dios mío, oh, Lord, I've been looking for a man like that. I've been looking for a man like that. And and, and there may be a man struggling with same-sex attractions. And that's why the devil comes then because he sees the desire of our soul and he tempts us with the desire that we already have. And it's the same things with dieting. So, like, you know, I'm trying to watch what I'm eating, you know. Well, you could put in front of me a chocolate cake. You could pour chocolate all over that cake. You could put chocolate sprinkles on that cake. You could put chocolate frosting. You could stick chocolate cream on the inside of it. And I'm just going to be like, you know what I'm saying? It ain't going to mess with me. But when I was at the baby shower of my wife's sister yesterday, my sister-in-law, they had a candy bar. A bar of candy. Are you guys shacking with me? And I was like, oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Lord. Because I saw my favorite cow tails there. You know, they had nerds. They had these, these little pixie sticks, the sugar sticks. And I could just drink those sugar sticks. You know what I'm talking about, those sugar sticks. You know what I'm talking about. Just forget the paper. Just put it all in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Just eat the whole thing. Because that's my temptation. Now, there's others of you that you would say, oh, man, chocolate and sweets, none of that tempts me. But if we dropped a steak right here or like a big juicy hamburger, you'd be like, oh, Lord, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of McDonald's or Fogo de Chao, I will fear no evil, Jesus. I will fear no evil. I know I can make it. And then there's some who don't really like meat, but they love carbs. They just give them French fries, give them potatoes, give them these thick carbs, you know, sweet potatoes, whatever, and they'll be there all day, you know. My wife loves sweet carbs, you know, like pancakes and waffles and cinnamon sticks, and everybody has that. But see, listen, the devil knows where to scheme with you. So the devil doesn't like, like tonight when I'm laying in my bed, the devil's not going to like show me snapshots of Augustine and be like, you want that? You want that little, you remember, you remember when he turned? You remember when he looked at you? And I'm not going to be breaking into a cold sweat being like, Jesus, set me free, Lord. But there are people, let's just be serious, there are going to be people that that may mess with them. Now, here's where i got to be very careful because I don't want women to think I'm inappropriate because God has purified my mind. But my temptation is going to be of a woman. My temptation is going to be of a lady that's not my wife. And this is what we're talking about here. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So I'm standing here right now going, I am a one I am a one-woman man, right? I am a one, I just want one. 
But watch, now the devil, he wants to get me out of my safe zone, out of the place where I'm supposed to stand. He wants to say, hey, it's okay to fantasize about other women. You know, you can't have the drive the same car every day and like it. You're going to get bored of it. Same thing with women. So why don't you just fantasize? You're not cheating on her. And see what the devil wants me to do is just get away from where I was standing. I'm not defeated yet. I'm just moved from my position. And then he'll say, you know what, you know, you know, now you're fantasizing. It's okay that you're doing that. And you know what, it's also okay if you start to look at nudie pictures because that, that will help the fantasy and it'll make you feel better. And then he just gets me to step a little bit, right? And then before you know it, he's like, and you know what, there's this person that you see at this place that I think she likes you. Why don't you just talk to her? You don't have to do anything. Just talk to her. She'll make you feel good. And then I'm right here. And then before you know it, the person can step right into an affair like it's that like as if one step is to the affair but did the affair happen overnight no the uh, the affair happened gradually as the devil was scheming and you could say the devil will do that in any area and that's why i pray that i always stand my ground on my marriage that my battle is for my marriage it's for my purity and i will not move one step and if i take a step out of god's will i'm going to repent because i know if i stop standing in christ's victory i will be an easy prey for the roaring devil that wants to devour me amen now listen, for, uh, put on your full, the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggles not against flesh and blood. So now watch. Let's say here's this woman that, that, that works at this shop or say the woman who cuts my hair or whatever. The woman that cuts my hair is not the problem. Right? Because uh, there are men that get their hair cut by women that never have an affair. Never have an affair, have their hair cut by women. But why is this a problem for the man that's about ready to have an affair? It's because he's walked so far from where God is at. Now the woman can become a temptation. But where did it originate from? The devil. The devil. And now he's using the woman and the man to both destroy each other. Because the woman who does the affair with the man that's married, they're both going to suffer in hell if they don't repent. Can I hear an amen? Now, that's powerful, and you got to get that in your heart because that's what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual warfare, and the whole message is going to end with that point at the end. Now, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Here are the four different ways the devil comes against us, rulers, authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. And uh, as I've showed you before, what I pretty much think we'll be dealing with is the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms, that last level, that, that foot soldier that is shooting the arrows at us, that is attacking us. And you're going to learn how to defeat the devil. How many want to learn that today? If you haven't already, amen. And, and continue to learn as we all stand in victory. Now, here's the rest for today. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, so that when you are standing here, when that day of evil comes, because all of us will be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted, right? The temptation doesn't mean we're in sin. The temptation is trying to get us out of sin, out to sin, out of our identity into a place where the devil can hurt us. So therefore, when that day, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. Do you see how many times it says stand? Everybody say stand. That's why the sermon title of the series is this is or here is where we make our stand. I'm standing for my marriage. I'm standing for my family. I'm standing for my community. I'm standing for the purity of my mind. I'm standing for a heart free from greed and bitterness. I am standing for the victory of Jesus Christ. Are you standing with me? Amen. Now he's going to name all the things we're going to do to put on this full armor of God. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth 
buckled around your waist. So think of a belt, you know, buckled around your waist. This is how the soldiers would dress. That, that would hold up their pants, and then their, uh, sometimes their breastplate could connect to it. Then put on the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish how many of the flaming arrows of the evil one? All. See, that's what we're going to learn. You're going to learn that when you stand your ground with God, you can extinguish all the arrows of the enemy. So it doesn't matter if I'm getting tempted to cheat on my wife. I don't ever have to do it. Praise God. I've been pure for 20 years. I can do it until I meet Jesus. Amen? And, but well, look, but let's say I get an arrow that's not about sexual immorality because let's say I'm doing great in that. That comes natural. But what if someone in the church gets mad at me, starts Facebooking about me and blasting me on Facebook and then makes you guys think I'm a bad person? That's an arrow coming against me, not even through them as flesh and blood. And by the way, nobody's doing this. Don't check. Okay, everybody's cool right now. We all cool. Church is cool right now. Who knows after today? I don't know. It always can change that fast. But watch. The devil's using them to get at me because if I allow their hurt to become my bitterness, so they're hurt and they're attacking me, and I allow that to become my bitterness, an arrow is a hit me, right? It, the same way I extinguish the arrow of sexual immorality, can I extinguish, by God's grace, the arrow of bitterness? Okay, and the same way you extinguish the arrow of bitterness, can you extinguish the arrow of greed? How about loneliness? How about depression? How about fear? How about low self-esteem? How about jealousy? How many arrows do you think God wants to hit you? None. How many do you think God wants the shield of faith to protect you from? All of them. Amen. So that's where we have to be real honest. That's where the message is going to come to today at that that last point is we have to be really honest with ourselves. If we feel we're getting hit by arrows, there's something wrong because our shield is not up. You should not be living in a place where you're so desperate to get free from junk in your life that you literally feel like it's arrows within you. That means you're already losing the battle. The arrow should be pinging off of that shield. Yes, that's the battle, and you'll you'll feel the stress or the, uh, the intensity of that, but it's a lot different than feeling the defeat. And my, my, my assumption is, as I've been with the first already, is that there's people here in the second that you're confusing the battle for your victory, for your victory, with the battle from your victory. So some of you, you're still fighting to get an arrow out of you so you can be victorious. And Christ wants you to be victorious, and that's where you fight from. You're not fighting to get the victory. You're fighting because you have the victory. Does everybody see the difference? Let me say it again then. Okay, some of you think the victory is way out there in front of you, and you just became a Christian, and God says, get ready to fight a bunch of battles so you can become spiritually victorious. And that's not the way it is. And so you keep getting hit by arrows, and then you whoop the devil, the devil hits you, and you're thinking that's the Christian life. That is not the Christian life. Jesus said the moment you came into him, you were made more than a conqueror. The moment you were born again, you were made victorious. And so there shouldn't be a repetitive cycle of sin and defeat in your life. As a matter of fact, you should feel a sense of victory and peace in your life. And what really the battle is, is not letting it come back in. So have I sinned as being a Christian? Yes, but it was terrible. I hated it. And the times that I do, I don't want to make any excuses for it. So if you find yourself in what I call the cycle of defeat, you're trying to fight for your victory instead of fighting from your victory. There's a difference. Can I hear an amen?
Then lastly, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, that's your one attack weapon is the sword of the Spirit. Let me just show you this cool anime picture here that kind of makes it clear. You guys have probably seen these online. So the bottom line is this is kind of a uh, unique-looking uh, soldier here, but I, I liked it because it had it all there in really cool ways that uh, you can read these points. And so you can always go back online and read this. So think of yourself going to fight the enemy standing your ground with this for or rather from victory for you have been made victorious not for victory to be made victorious but from victory because you have been made victorious how many believe that do you guys do you understand the difference okay I want, I want to go so much some more of, of you guys understand do you understand the difference Rocky one is trying to get something for, for victory. If I say I'm fighting for victory, that means I don't have victory. So when you think of like these great movies of Braveheart and all these people, you're talking about a guy saying, I don't have the land. I want to go get the land. These guys have been beating me up. I'm going to now beat them up. Until I do that, I'm still under their control. I'm still under their power, right? That's fighting for victory, for victory. The one that is fighting from victory is like us. Yes, and, and, and in this analogy, it would be like us right here in America. We are victorious. We are an independent nation. If you come to attack us now, we are going to keep our victory. We are going to keep our shores free. Do you guys understand it? I don't need to, America doesn't need to fight anymore for its victory as a nation. It's already a nation. You come and try to take that from me, I'm going to stand my ground. And not let you take my house, right? Let's say people like ISIS started parachuting down. Let's say, God forbid, this could happen. I'm going to fight from my victory, from my house, from my property, from my, my stuff. What's already mine, I'm going to fight there and defeat them as they're coming towards me. Okay? When we fight for victory, it's for the souls of men who have not yet surrendered to Christ. And that's when we ascend or, or, uh, or go assail the gates of hell because now they are not victorious yet and we're attacking the gates of hell for them for them because they don't have it yet that's why we go preach that's why we do those things because jesus said i will build the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail so the church is still warring against the devil for lost souls to be saved. that's the four but when he's talking here he's saying you already have the victory finally be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the victory he's given you. Be strong in that. And now when the day of evil comes against you, when the invasion comes, when the arrows start flying against you, when the devil starts tempting you to go to your past, to live like that, when those things come against you, then you now fight and remain standing, standing firm on your victory. How many are victorious today? Amen. Praise God. So think of it like this. We'll go through them together, okay? So everybody put on your belt. Let's do a little make-believe. Put on your make-believe belt there. We are doing it make-believe, but in the spirit it means something, okay? What, what it means is the belt of truth is the word of God. And so the word of God will be a sword, as we'll learn at the end. But the word of truth, Jesus said in John 8, and I won't go through all the scriptures today. Uh, here's the benefit of, of first and second service, okay? The first service, you guys can always watch on video. You guys can always watch because that's the one that's video edited. But for the second service, folks, you get a little lanyard than what they get because by the time I've preached it once, I'm giving you guys extra, amen? So if there's ever anything you, you want to go back and listen to that you didn't see in that video, all you have to do is work 
where we keep our, our podcasts at. And uh, let me just show you right here. If you just go back to mpichurch.org here, you'll see that on our, um, on our sermons, see the sermon series are where I keep all of my notes and all of the YouTube videos. And you can go right here and see them. So like, like uh, last week, here you go. Here's going to be the notes. You can see here, and then there's the sermon up. It usually comes up there by Tuesday, and then I post it up on um, Facebook as well. But if you go here to where it says watch live sermon archives, we're actually live right now providing that opportunity for those who couldn't make it. And we'll see if we'll mess with the matrix right here or something, but here I am. Here I am doing my thing. We'll, we'll see how the lag is. One, two, three. At some point, it's going to come up and do that. Uh, we'll just sit here and watch. No. Uh, but down here at the bottom... Here, here's that handsome guy. I have uh, these different things to our podcast, but right here at the side is where you can see the second service in its entirety by going there because the live webcast is put there and broadcasted as well. So it looks like it's more than a minute or 30 seconds, however long I've been talking because it's not doing the countdown unless I missed it. But does everybody get where they can go back and listen to the second service? Okay, because what I'm going to do now is give you stuff that I didn't do in the first service, and if you want, oh, there it goes, there it goes. Now, where am I? Am I here or am I there? Which one is real? Amen. That'll mess with you a little bit. But you know what? I'm real here because I'm here and you're seeing me. And you know what? The idea that uh, we can now videotape ourselves is something spiritual in a sense. Because think about this. In the days of the Antichrist, he's going to be killed and uh, literally raise up to imitate what Christ did. And I don't know how he's going to do it because I know the devil can't give life. But he may do something like what we would see in sci-fi, make himself half computer, half person. He may do an optical illusion. All of these things are pointing to the end times. And another cool thing about what webcasting points to an, an end times is that, uh, and it could be a CGI. He could make us all think he got shot and it's on TV. But watch this. The Bible says in the end times, we watch the two, uh, I don't want to be here for this part. I shouldn't say that. But the church who remains after we've been taken away, they watch the two prophets get killed and everybody celebrates. How could you have done that without live television and now live streaming? See, it said there was an event that everybody sees and at that moment they start celebrating and now you're a part of a generation that has that technology and the mark of the beast and all those good things but that would be a rabbit trail let's go back to the message how many want to hear the message okay now watch this here going back to what i was sharing with you when you look at this armor let me go back to it when you look at it you have to get to the point where you believe that is who i am in christ and that nothing will take me away from that this is where i'm standing on okay now, the belt of truth is the teachings of Christ that holds up everything else. John 8 said, my disciples are those who know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. If you feel like your spiritual pants are always coming down, it's because you're not buckled in with the word of God. So this is where I want to start changing the mentality of how you're looking at your life. If you're thinking you're always getting kicked in the hiney by the devil and it hurts, it's probably because you're not daily following the truth of God, which should set you free. You will not get free, let's say pornography, just use that as an example. You will not get free from pornography by yelling at the devil, praying all day long, fasting, going to church 100 days a week. The only way you will get free from pornography is when you believe the word of God and Jesus through the word sets you free. And who the son sets free is free indeed. 
I was free the day I came to Christ. I didn't always believe I was free. I didn't always live like I was free. Sometimes I was confused on my identity. But the more I believed who Christ made me to be, the new creature, is the more that I began to realize that I was free. Now, I gave you this example before. Let me give it again. When I see my child, little baby Hannah, walking around picking up crumbs, is that a good thing? She eats them. She picks up the crumbs and eats them. No, picking up crumbs off the floor is a bad thing. When I literally went to the bathroom, we were in, in, you know, going through gas stations uh, as we were traveling to New Orleans, and I had to take her with me, and I would be like, listen, don't you touch anything, Aunt, uh, Zoe. Don't touch anything. Because I'm thinking, man, if she picks up crumbs, what could she possibly? It would be so nasty. This is gross, right? She would just pick up something nasty off the bat. Am I telling the truth? I had to, right, because we got... I don't want to say limp along here, but I don't want to, I don't know what else to say. I got to call you by my little teeth, my little teeth, my little limp along, my little gimpy. And so my little gimpy, she scoots herself in, and I got to take the wild and crazy Zoe. And I'm like telling her, don't you touch nothing on the floor. Dear God, don't touch nothing. Now, she already has food. You know what I'm talking about. She already has food, but she doesn't know the difference between clean and unclean, defiled and stuff you should be eating, right? She doesn't know the difference. Okay, well, that's like us. We're born again. We're new creations. God has set a table before us. He says, I got your family right here. I got your, your sex life right here. I've got your money life right Whatever you need, I got you right here. And we're walking around dirty floors picking up the stuff of the devil. We're picking it up, and we're Christians, and we're sick, and we don't understand why. And we think it's because maybe we're not a good Christian, or maybe Jesus' power didn't work. But no, we're not obeying the truth. We don't have on our big boy pants with our belt. Hello. Because it doesn't say there's pants anywhere here. Does everybody get it? doesn't say there's a pant, so the belt assumes it's holding up pants because otherwise it would just be a belt and no pants, okay? And that would not be a good picture to imagine a warrior ah, coming at you with just a belt and no pants. So that it's assuming you know what's going on there. The belt is holding up pants. Now, the next thing that it says is put on the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, when was I made righteous? Well, first of all, let me just ask you this. Are Christians righteous already, or do they have to wait till they die to become righteous? Already righteous. Now, can I show you that a little bit? Just, no, no response. You guys, come on. Come on. First, yeah, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Look at this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How many have heard that scripture before? It's a popular one around here too, isn't it? Okay. Jesus had no sin, right? No sin. How much did he take on the cross? All sin. Every one of our sins. Before you and I came to Christ, how much righteousness did we have? None. Can I just show you that real quick? Just so you'll see. I'm going to stop asking if I'm going to show you stuff because you guys have stopped saying yes to me a long time ago. Okay. You guys... Okay, look at right here. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the law, but rather through the law we, we become conscious of our sin. Now keep going right here. There is none righteous, Romans 3, verses 10 and onward. There is how many righteous? No righteous one, no one, not even one. Okay, so Jesus was righteous and had no sin. We were sinful, had no righteousness. What happened on the cross? He became sin for us. We became righteousness in him. Isn't that amazing? That's the new birth. That's the significance of Jesus. So now ask yourself this as a Christian. Am I righteous now, presently, 100%? 
Or am I on some progress bar of righteousness on the righteousness good works treadmill trying to drop sin and add more righteousness to my life? So how am I 100% righteous or 50% righteous right now? 100% righteous. Now, somebody may say, Pastor, what happens if I sin and I do something unrighteous? Well, I'm glad you asked. The Bible talked about that. So for those of us who have sinned after becoming righteous, where all sin has been taken, listen to what it says to us. It says, if anyone's, any one of us sins, what we should do is confess our sins so that we can be forgiven and made holy. So look right here, First uh, John chapter, chapter 1. Thank you. I skipped by it. Watch it right here. It says, if anyone claims to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. So if you say that I don't need Jesus to cleanse me of unrighteousness, you're a liar because there's no unrighteous. And there were people around in that day going, well, y'all need Jesus, but I don't need Jesus. And, and he's saying, no, no, no. Anybody here says they're without sin, they're a liar. But now watch, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. And what? purify us for how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So when I come to him as a dirty, filthy, rotten sinner, how much of my righteous unrighteousness is cleansed? All of it. Now, if I sin, does, does God cleanse the unrighteousness if I confess it? Yeah. So what is supposed to be the primary uh, default state of the Christian? Unrighteous or righteous? Perfect or unperfect? Holy or unholy? Right? That's why Jesus taught us to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. How many think Jesus would lie to us? No, he wouldn't lie to us. So if Jesus said this, he must be telling us the truth. Jesus said in, in John um, chapter 6, verse 48, I believe. John 6, verse 48. Not there. What did he say? Be perfect for your Heavenly Father is perfect. No, uh, John, uh, no Matthew. Oh, that's right, Matthew. Is that what you were saying? Just go with me. Matthew 5, 48. Let's try that. Yes. Did I put it in raw? Did I put it in John 548 first time? Who knows? Here we go. Be what? Perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is what? Perfect. Now, what does that mean? It means to be holy. Look at First Peter. He also says the same thing, comparing us to God, that this is supposed to be our lifestyle. In First Peter chapter 2, look at just that example. Remember I talked about Zoe? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit. How much malice? How much deceit? All of it, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babes crave spiritual milk, not the dirty crumbs of the devil's floor. So you can grow up in your salvation. So you can grow up in your perfection, in your holiness, in your righteousness. God has given you the breastplate of righteousness. Grow up into it. Amen? Oh, that was a half-hearted amen. Okay, y'all don't believe that because we just want to be unperfect because nobody's perfect. And like Kanye West, or no, who said nobody, God, only God can judge me, Tupac. You know, it's like we just want to live like this silly little life and call it Christianity. No, let's live free from evil. Look at this. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slave. You know, it talks about all these things we should do for Christ, okay? Be holy as I am holy. Where is that at? Find that for me, please, good sir. Oh, I can just put it in right here. Let's try this trick. Let's try this trick right here. Holy. Should you take me right there? There we go. Go right up here as a holy nation. Boom shakalaka. There it is. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16. For it is written, be jacked up because I'm jacked up. No, be what? Be holy, for I am holy. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So let's go back to that. Put on the breastplate of holiness. 
put on the breastplate of perfection. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put it on because Christ became sin for you so that in him you might become the righteousness of God. So how did I become righteous? By being on the righteous treadmill, dropping spiritual weight, I was born again righteous. Now I learn how to live righteous. And when I mess up, I confess to return to a state of pure righteousness. So you and I should not be walking around going, I've got so many demons, so many things on the inside of me, I'm all messed up. I'm like 50% good, 50% bad. No, you should be all pure right now. You should be all holy. Your whole life should be changed. You should be a newborn babe. You should be born again. The God who created the heavens and the earth, is he not powerful enough to make you holy, to make you righteous, to make you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect? Amen? So we got on our belt. We got on, uh, and the belt, by the way, holds up our pants, right? The righteous breastplate protects what? Our heart and our lungs. Your heart is your emotion. So you see, you and I, we get tempted. I'm just like you. I get tempted. I feel bad. I mess up. I get under condemnation. And God says, no, I'll make your heart new and pure. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's a beatitude. And then our lungs, you know what I like to think about? I breathe in his grace and excel his praise. Isn't that awesome? Protect your lungs. Protect your life sources there. Then the next thing the Bible says is that you are then going to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Shoes take us places and keep us safe. And they make it fun when we have dancing shoes on, right? We can dance around and skip and have fun. And I know it sounds silly, but it's almost like time to end, and I need to keep you up a little bit, right? But here's the thing. When you skip to my loo, to your job, you should bring the gospel there with you. You should stand in your purpose with the death, burial, and resurrection is the power of, of God in you because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So wherever you are, the gospel is doing all things unto the Lord. So if you wake up tomorrow, you're on your job and having a tough day, you need to say, Lord, let your gospel light shine through me here. Give me the strength to suffer for your name if that's what it's going to what's going to be like. Give me the grace to be a witness for you. Uh, help me be a, a gracious winner. If you're winning, if you're making the most sales, you know, don't rub it in people's nose. You're going to say, no, I'm, I'm here because God brought me here. I owe my success to Jesus. And those gospel shoes will protect you from stumbling, stumbling. And the Bible talks about don't stumble and fall. Take heed when you think you stand, lest you fall. And that kind of like assumes like I'm standing and I get proud and I think I'm all awesome. I take off my gospel shoes, poof, I fall on my face. And so the shoes protect us from the pebbles, from the stumbling, the cracks, the, uh, the things in this life would cause you to fall down. We all have them. Every day you got to walk over them. And if you're not careful, what happens? Those pebbles get in your shoe. Those things begin to hurt. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I love walking barefoot, okay? And uh, maybe you're not like me, but does anybody here like to walk barefoot? A few of us. Okay, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like even right now, I don't even have any socks on. I, I literally just washed my shoes again because I, I, they stink. I'll be honest. They do stink. But I mean, if I, I'll just do it for the rest of the service and maybe they won't stink so bad. This will bless you guys. This will bless. I'll let these doggies be free. Look at these doggies right here. These big old hairy doggies here. Now, you know what? I love walking around like this. I could walk every day of my life like this. I, I literally would. But you know what the problem is, is it starts to hurt. It really starts to hurt because you start stepping on stuff you're not supposed to be stepping on. And those things begin to bother you. But when you have on your shoes, those things don't bother you. 
Like, for example, I always have off my shoes when I go in my garage, and there was a broken glass that, that broke there a while back. Well, guess what happens every time I walk there? I get those little shards of glass that I didn't, uh, you know, get up when I tried to, you know, clean up the mess there. And, you know, you just shoot a paint, and poof, I feel it. But when I had my shoes on, I didn't feel it. So if you're in life and you always feel like you're getting messed with, you're always feeling like you're in defeat, you always feel like everywhere you go, it's so hard for you. Don't complain about it on Facebook. Put on your gospel shoes and see things through the lens of Jesus Christ. And then I'll just sing you a little bit of this song, you know. Oh, to know the power of your risen life and to know you in your sufferings to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live and never die. You see, I'm willing to deny myself, live for the gospel, and if I do suffer then, I'll suffer with the right attitude, not suffering in the sins of this world, because there is a difference. Amen? The gospel protects your feet from the sins of this world. The next thing that it talks about is the helmet of salvation. Now, this is guarding our mind. Obviously, it's very important to have a brain. How many think brains are important? Right? And the Bible says that when we were born again, we were given the mind of Christ. These are the thoughts of God that come through His Word as we study and pray that we can begin to hear God speak to us. Our desires begin to change. Our mindset begins to change. Our attitudes begin to change because Christ is on the inside of us leading and guiding us. And then we take on the shield of faith, just going through this quickly in closing, and that shield of faith is where we extinguish the darts of the enemy and then we can give the death blow to the enemy. So it's not just to just defend ourselves all day long. No, we are to defend ourselves against the attack and then put an end to it. How many are ready for this part? Amen. Can I hear an Amen. Okay, uh, Rachel, would you come to the keys? And I want to end with this here. So many good things I just w- want you to see, and I hope that you're encouraged by this today. Okay, I want you to think about this. If you are today doing what you're supposed to be doing, this is what your position is going to look like. You are going to be having these arrows come against you, and there's nothing wrong with you. You've done nothing wrong. Arrows come against the best of us. But what you have to do is block it with the shield of faith. And the shield of faith says, I believe what God says. Okay, now watch. Remember we talked about the scheming of the devil. So when Augustine stood up, I didn't have an arrow come my way because it's not going to work. It's going to be a waste of a devil's arrow. But let's say somebody, and let's not laugh at people who have same-sex attractions, right? Let's be mature here. Let's say somebody here has same-sex attractions. And as Augustine stood up, they were just like, Man, that's a mighty hot man right there. That's a good man, right? And they're thinking, (laughs) we still can't help but laugh. But they say to themselves, man, if it wasn't wrong, I I would like to take him home with me tonight. Because I used to witness on Boys Town. I would get hit on all the time when I'd go to Boys Town. I love it out there, right? Now watch. (laughs) There went the arrow from the enemy. I'm going to do that sound again. (laughs) Right? Sounds like an arrow. One more time. (laughs) It comes. Now, what does that person need to do as they hear how hot Augustine is. They need to pull up their their shield of faith and go, God created us male and female. God created sexuality to be pure in a marriage. I will not live like that. God is with me. And they begin to deflect that arrow. That arrow 
now hits that shield, bink, and falls right off. No power, no authority. The flames go out as it hits the ground. But let's say now somebody's here with same-sex attractions, and as that comes at them, that arrow comes at them, they don't put up their shield. What happens? It hits the breastplate of righteousness. And now they don't feel righteous anymore because they're thinking about the sinfulness of their flesh. And as that flaming arrow, more than likely a lot of them had leather, leather pants, leather breast breast equipment or things that could catch on fire. Or if they had oil on that, the, the, uh, the, it catches onto the metal, comes into the metal, and then the oil spreads across the metal and makes that very hot. They're like in an oven right now. So whether or not what they had was a leather chest covering or a metal chest covering, that flame, that fire is burning right now. And that temptation starts to corrupt that person. And then they say, well, you know what? I can't ask out Augustine. That would be stupid because I can't do that. But you know what? I could go look at gay porn today. I could go do that. I could go to Belmont and Clark. I could, I could look at my grinder app and go hook up with a dude. Hello? Right? And then now what happens? The devil has a foothold, and now he comes to start grappling with them. And that's why the Bible says don't give the devil a foothold. And now all of a sudden they're being choked out. And now what do they say? I tried Christianity. I, would, I must have been born gay because all I do is I think about this and I have no way to stop it. And every time I try to go to church, it just makes me feel bad and sometimes I get turned down by the guys that pastor has stand up. So who am I? Just but a sinner. So now they have a choice. They're either going to deny God or the God of the Bible and say this is not a God that I want to follow or they're going to change the Bible and say same-sex attraction is not a sin because I've done everything it asked me to do and I'm still being attracted. Now imagine, that comes up. He says, no, God made us male and female. God said that sex was only for, for man and woman. Lord, I'm going to trust you on that. Bink. See, you see the difference. And now that person begins to live their life. They defeat that enemy. Now they pull out the sword, the word of God, and they say, devil, I am who God said I am. I'm a creature of the God Most High, a new creation of the God Most High. And now they attack that devil. And where, when they first got saved, all they had was homosexual temptations. Now over time, they are cutting that devil down. They are slicing him. They are attacking him. And I guarantee you, there can come a time where they may not feel it the same way. There may be some battles they face the rest of their life. I don't know. But there are battles now I don't face like I used to. When I first got saved, and I told you guys this before, smoking cigarettes was a big deal to me. So if I walked by somebody that was smoking, it'd be like, oh, man, I want that so bad. Oh, man, I want that so bad. But now when I walk by cigarette smoke, what is it? It's like, oh, <coughs> I don't want that, right? See, time and victory brought me healing. And now I'm winning that battle. And it's the same thing in our areas of life. Where we start to give in is where we stay in defeat. And then that becomes a mentality, and then that's who we define ourselves as, as this defeated person. And then sadly, we go to churches that skip over what the battle is supposed to be. And a lot of this preaching I see online and what I see on Facebook is you guys putting up these things, some of you here, putting up these things where everything is a, a you-can-make-it message, you-can-make-it message, you-can-make-it message. Because who it's aimed at, who that message is aimed at is somebody who's always getting the armor pierced with swords, uh, pierced with arrows. And I want to teach the church that I pastor to get above and beyond that, to live beyond that. Yes, you and I will have arrows attack us, but you don't need to keep sinning in them. 
And you don't need to come here whooped and defeated every week, always hoping that this week the arrow can be removed, the fire can go out, and you can be healed and live holy. No, I want to tell you, you're holy now. You're pure now. So live holy now. Fight for holiness now. Aren't you done with sin? Aren't you done with defeat? Aren't you done with the temptation of the devil always leading you down the same path of destruction? Join with me. Join with Paul. Join with the disciples of Christ who stand in victory and say, this is my victory, and I will not back down. I don't care how many flaming arrows I have to keep putting my shield against. I'm not letting it hit the righteousness of God in me. I want to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. Whatever sin is in my heart, Jesus, tell me now so it can go forever. The last time you repented of your sins should be the last time you, should, you commit that sin. I mean, how many more times do you want to go in that rat race of it? Right? I, I'm done. And so when I sin, and I have sinned since being a Christian, when I sin, I am not coming, making excuses. When I sin and I have made a mistake and that day of evil has come and I have not stood my ground and an arrow has pierced my righteousness, you know what? I know at that day I have to repent because that's the only way I can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. No excuses. Not comparing how good I am to others. Not, not to say, well, I haven't done it in such a long time. No, I say, Jesus, cleanse me of unrighteousness. Make me clean, Jesus, because I want to stay clean. And so, my friends, this is our life. This is what it looks like. Don't let the devil tell you you have to get those arrows in your heart. Piercing through that righteousness. Piercing through what Christ did for you. The Bible says guard your heart. So what arrows are the, is the devil throwing at you today? You know, unforgiveness. You think about what that person did to you. Think about how much they deserve to, 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 you know, to, to, to have pain in their life. You know, don't you want to take revenge? And then all you're doing is just putting down your shield of faith. And, and now your, your heart is full of bitterness. And the devil then comes and attacks you, grapples with you with the foothold, with the, with the advantage you gave him. And you wonder why, oh, I'm, oh, all I feel is pain. All I feel is bitterness. That's all I feel. It's because it's in you. It's in you. It's part of you now. You come to Christ and you say, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive as Christ has forgiven me. The, arrow, uh, the arrows come out. The shield goes up. The Lord gives you strength. And as those pains still come to attack you, you may be reminded of them for a long time, and they still may have that temptation. But I'm here today to tell you that you can get to a point where that bitterness doesn't come at you like it used to. You're not going to be fighting bitterness the same way you are now 20 years from now. There's a victory you'll experience because you've got a sword in your hand. You just don't sit here and just take it all day. You give it back. Now, that sneaky devil will find another way, and he'll find another way. But I'm telling you, you can put him down. And that's the victory I want us to live in. I want us as saints to begin to believe what God said about us. I want us to begin to say, God, if you told me I'm to fight from victory, I want to have the victory. So here's some things I want you to remember before we close out here. Is that, number one, the battle is the Lord's, okay? Your battle belongs to Jesus. My battle belongs to Jesus. That scripture says we're more than a conqueror. That is true. This is truth. Since Jesus is already victorious, he has made you more than a conqueror. You are fighting from your victory, not for your victory. 
You read Psalm 23, 5. I'll read it with you until you believe it. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He gives me victory. And then number two, you stand your ground, my friend. You stand on it. I've had doubts. You've had doubts. We've all had. I've fallen and couldn't get up for a time. I've been knocked down too. I've been there. But listen, you are to fight and to keep and maintain all that Christ has triumphantly given you. Don't give the enemy one foothold. You determine in your heart, no footholds, devil. No defeat. No backing down. No steps backwards. Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Me and my children will serve God. My wife will be blessed. Amen. My children will be blessed. I will fight for this. And then lastly, remember, my friends, that temporary defeat is never final. Even if you lose a battle against evil, remember that Jesus has won the war. Repent, get back up, and keep fighting. You get back up. You get back up. Don't make excuses. Say, Lord, forgive me. I believe something that wasn't true. I let it hit me upside the head. I took off my helmet. I took off the breastplate. I stopped walking in the gospel. I mean, you could be buck naked on the battlefield getting whooped all day long. But once you repent, put back up on that armor and fight like a man or woman of God. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. Believe what Jesus said. Because that's what we're called to do. The disciple stands and fights in the, the disciple stands and fights from victory in every area of their life, not for the victory, because through Christ we are already victorious. How many feel the victory right now? How many believe it? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet, please. Come on, just get that. Where's the drummer? Do I got a drummer? <laughs> Ricky's normally not a drummer, but I taught him how to do this. We're going to do some hip-hop spiritual warfare. Are you guys ready? Can I get the altar workers to remove this, please? Amen. We're going to have just a moment. Give me on that 808. I got you, baby. Come on, drop it like it's hot. Come on. Give him a, give him a little more volume here. Give him a little more volume. There we go. <laughs> there we go. He's got it. Amen. Now watch this. You got the baptized with the Holy Spirit? It's going to be just a little bit faster. Like this. Now watch this part right here. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Everybody is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. You got to get this part. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. One more time. Come on. He's the lion of the tribe. Come on. It starts off a little slow, but y'all going to get it. Come on. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now they watch. Now this next time, we're going to let out a victory roar, okay? Y'all ready to do it? Come on. He's the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion. Now let it out. Come on. Roar! Roar! One more time. 
more time. He's Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lion of... Come on, let out a battle cry. Oh, one more time. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Whoa! Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in fire. Come on, sing it out. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. That's our cry today. Baptize us in fire. Come on, baptize. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in fire. There you go. Baptize. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Now fresh fire burn. Fresh your burn. Do you believe it today? Would you sing it with us? Fresh fire. Come on, one more time. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Your burn. Okay, now can I get your attention here? We're going to pray for you to this awesome music. So if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, we'll dismiss in just a minute, but right now I want you to come and let them pray for you. And they're going to lay their hands on you, just like Paul did, so that you can speak in other tongues and stand in the power of the Lord. Are you ready to do that? Those of you who need to come, come on. Come right now, and I'm going to start singing. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lion of the tribe Oh, yes. He's the Lion of the tribe Give me a little roar. Come on. He's the lion of the tribe of you. Yes, he is. He's the lion of the tribe of Come on, a little bit louder. He's the lion. Now give me a louder roar. Rawr. Rawr. One more time. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion. And then this time we're going to shout. Come on. He's the lion of the tribe. Lift up a shout to the Lord. Yes. Now baptize. Baptize us in the Holy Come on, sing it today, saints. If you want fresh fire, sing it out. Baptize us in the Oh, yes, Lord. Baptize us in fire. Baptize. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us in fire. And baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Fresh fire burn. Come on. Fresh fire, won't you burn? Fresh fire, burn. Fresh fire, burn. Amen. Now let's just pause. Amen. Sister, she is so ready. You are so ready. Just pause for a moment. Just step, step back, prayer workers. Step back and step in back of them. Because I want to talk to you for a second. This is your day. This is your time. This is your hour. It has never been a better time to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire. Scooch in just a little bit. Come on. Y'all ready for this? 
The Holy Spirit is not an it. He is a person. Amen. Come on. The Holy Spirit will not manipulate you. I don't have to shake you. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to do that. You may get excited, fall down, go boom, laugh, cry, giggle, whatever, but he doesn't have to. This is what we're asking him to do. We are asking him to give us the power of heaven. And if the pattern of the church, which we believe is the Bible, uh, the book of Acts, if that is the pattern, then they spoke in tongues of angels. Now let me just say a few things here. When I go to the Bible college, there's a lot of sophisticated folk there that think we're crazy. And one of them asked me, he said, well, do you see a lot of crazy people in your church, religious fanatics? And I said, no. He said, do you see a lot of people, you know, dealing with mental illness who come to you and they think that's spiritual or whatever? I said, no, 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 because they don't know the truth. As a matter of fact, now with neuroscience, those who speak in tongues, they have done brain scans, I'll show them to you, actually have healthier minds than the other Christians. Because the brain is renewed through our speaking in tongues. Language is a part of what makes us human. The English language is how we communicate here. The spiritual language is how we communicate there. And it changes our minds. It literally renews our hearts, sister. It isn't fake and make-believe. 2,000 years ago, they didn't know. They just said, God, you said it. I want to do it. And it sure feels good. But now neuroscience shows us it's not babbling and it's not speaking a language. And when we speak in tongues, we are more at peace than Buddhist and Catholic monks. They brain scan monks of Catholic and Buddhist origin. And ours are totally different. I'll show you the video. I'll put it up today. Look for my Facebook thing. It's a, a neuroscientist. And so here's what we can do. We can know this. The Bible said it's good. Health in science says it's good for our minds. And God is not a man that he should lie. So all we're going to do is say, be filled. And I'm going to get all excited. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be baptized with fire. And as we do that, you guys just raise up your hands. And then you say, Jesus, fill me. And if you have any sin in your heart, any doubt or unbelief, tell it to him. Say, Lord, I have some sin. i got to get rid of it. Can Forgive me. I have doubts. I don't, I don't feel like powerful all the time. I don't know if this is real. But say, God, if it is real, I want you to show me. Do you know when I was filled with the Holy Spirit? Eight years old at a kid's camp. I remember it, telling you. At a kid's camp, they said, hey, you kids want the power of God? We were just kids. And I said, yeah, whatever Jesus has, I'll take it. It's a free gift. And I went up there, and I just felt like, you know, just the fire of God, the oil of God, all these different illustrations the Bible uses, the wind. I mean, I just felt it was real. And I just started to speak out, right? And then how did I know I was baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, a few months later or sometime later, I don't remember exactly when, my babysitter was smoking cigarettes. And I went and told my parents. I said, uh, when you were gone, she started smoking cigarettes, and I know that's bad. And then they fired her, okay? And she lived in our neighborhood. And so one day I was playing around in my front yard, and I saw her walk by, and she looked at me. She was mad. And I, all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit giving me the, the language to start praying. And you know what I started praying? As language was coming from me in the Holy Spirit, in my uh, understanding, I started saying, Lord, save her. Change her. I am so serious. My parents will tell you this. Eight years old, having spiritual battle for this woman. Amen. Think about that. So real. He said, on your sons and daughters. Then I backslid. 
when I'm 10 years old, I started to become really bad, you know. Went into drugs. When I came back to Christ at 18 years old, I had all these bad things, drunkenness and drugs. I never understood as a little kid what that meant. Don't be drunk on wine, be filled with the Holy Ghost. I never knew. But now I knew what drunkenness was, right? When I came to my mother, that's testimony you guys always hear, November 5th, 1995. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I want you all to look up at me because I know a lot of you have life experience here. Immediately, when I started speaking in tongues, I go, this is what I was after that whole time. This is what drunkenness was trying to make. This is what I thought it would be like. This, I, there was a desire. You know what I'm saying? I knew there was more. I knew I was spiritual. I knew there was more. And I thought LSD. I thought crystal meth. I thought cocaine. I thought all that bad stuff could make me feel supernatural. And it couldn't. All it did was bring me down. And the moment it came into my heart, the moment the Holy Spirit came in, tears started flooding down my eyes. I'm speaking in tongues, and it's like, oh, my goodness, why did I do this sooner? This is the God who created me. This is what he's made me for. And all of these years, now 20 years later, I speak in tongues every day. I speak in tongues in there before I come out, and I say, God, fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again, Jesus, over and over. And those days that I fight those spiritual battles, I start speaking in tongues. And I say, devil, you're not going to get me today. The word of God is strong. But I'm doing it in the power of God. Amen. So are you guys ready for that? Because I want you to have it. God wants you to have it. And I have this promise to you. No one's going to manipulate you. Nobody's going to shake your head. We're just going to ask God to do it. And then they'll come back to pray for you and lay their hand gently on you as the Bible teaches us to do so. But I want you to know first it can happen right now between you and God. Just like it did for me as an eight-year-old kid and as an old drug dealer sitting at a, at, a, at a, you know, teenage drug dealer sitting at my parents' kitchen table. Are you with me? Let's raise up our hands. Jesus. Jesus. Fuego de Dios. Fire of God, come. In el nombre de Jesucristo. In the name of Jesus. Fire. 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 Be baptized with the Holy Spirit right now. Every one of you. And those of you who are already filled with the Holy Spirit, let us encourage them with the sound of the tongues of angels. Everything you've ever seen in this world is a cheap imitation of the power of our God. Every seance, every tribal battle cry, every shout for a sports team, every excitement of a rock and roll band is a cheap imitation of the power of God in Jesus. Right now, receive it. Receive power from on high. Jesus, Jesus. Now, altar workers, would you help them? And listen to hear if they're getting the sound of heaven. The rest of us, come on, sing it again. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Whoa, whoa. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah. Whoa. Baptize us. Baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Baptize us. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. 
Más Espíritu Santo, more Holy Spirit. Baptize, baptize us in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. Come in front of them and help them pray. Come on, stand in front of them now. Come on in front. Jesus. 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 Like on Pentecost. Come on, now those who can sing, sing this with us. Somebody should have told you I'm a JC soldier. Somebody should have told you I'm a JC soldier. Well, somebody should have told you I'm a JC soldier. Yeah, somebody should have told you I'm a JC. Now listen to this. I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord, said I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord, and if I die, you better let me die fighting the good fight. I said I'm a soldier. Come on, sing it like you got some gospel. Come on, I said I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord, I said I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord, I said I'm a soldier. In the army of the Lord, one more time, I'm a soldier. Come on, if I die, 